down. Well, as you know, 2022-23 has been de- designated as the RBBC year of being members one of another, preaching through Philippians on Sunday morning. But every Lord's Supper, I've been focusing on a particular uh, point of um, the one another's. So far, we've studied loving one another, edifying one another, receiving one another, forgiving one another. And this evening, if you'd make your way to Romans chapter 15, Romans 15, verses 1 through 7, message titled, Caring for One Another. Romans chapter 15, and we learned so far in this series on one another's that believers are members one of another. It's not like we have to uh, work toward being members one of another. It's not like we can, uh, we can be that at some point in time. No, by virtue of being in the same body, we are members one another. Just like my arm is a member of this body, my leg is a member of this body. Of course, Christ is the head uh, of the church. He's the head of the body. But by virtue of being in Christ, we are members one another. So the emphasis is being faithful and effective members one of another. That is really uh, the thrust of this focus that we have. And let's look at that in Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. We, therefore, who are strong, ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but, as it is written, the reproaches of them that, fell, that reproach thee fell on me. For whatever things were written in earlier times were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another, according to Christ Jesus, that... You may, with one mind and one mouth, glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore, receive you one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. And uh, as I indicated, uh, we we focused on verse 7, receive one another, in an earlier message. But this evening, caring for one another. Now, as many of you know, the theme and the theology of the book of Romans is the grace of God, uh, the gospel of the grace of God. Sinful man was captured by the righteousness of God and thereby we stand accepted in him. And it's purely on the basis of the finished work of Christ, the gracious work of Christ. And to divide the book of Romans, chapters 1 through 8 speak of our justification, our position in Christ. Chapters 9 through 11 are parenthetical, dealing with the nation of Israel. And then picking up to chapter 12, um, uh, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Through the end of chapter 16 is the working out, is the walking out of that salvation. So it's the very uh, highly practical section And we find here at the first part of chapter 15, kind of like in the middle of the practical section of the um, book of Romans. In fact, this passage seems to have the spirit of the golden rule. If you remember uh, in uh, in, uh, Jesus uh, causing the the religious leaders to look at their own lives and and others to look at their own lives and, and to determine if they measure up. And one of the standards uh, is that we should 
treat others uh, in the way that we should be treated. Uh, Matthew seven twelve. therefore all things, whatever you would that men do to you, do also to them, for this is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. And so even though the word care is not actually in the text in chapter 15, it carries the spirit of that. The, the flavor of caring for one another is very much found here in Romans chapter 15. And I want to point out, make, uh, break three observations about what it means to care for one another in the body of Christ. First of all, in verses 1 and 2, we see an exhortation to Christians to care for one another. We are exhorted. Uh, I, I, I think it, it, it seems to stop short of a command. I don't know that. I didn't, I didn't check uh, uh, very recently. I, I knew it at one time, I'm confident, but I don't remember precisely uh, if it's imperative. Maybe, Garrett, you can tell me if, if there's an imperative in verses 1 and 2. I'm not sure that there is, uh, but there's certainly the exhortation. There's certainly the strong encouragement that we ought to bear uh, the infirmities of the weak. That is, those who are strong. Those who are having victor- experiencing victorious Christian life, uh, there is an obligation. There is an ought to involved uh, in these verses. Um, because of what he has done, we ought to do that. And so it carries the, uh, uh, the, the flavor of not only an obligation, but with a view in sight of fulfilling it. Not just hypothetical, not, well, maybe you will, maybe you won't. No, no, no. I ought to do this. I actually should do this. And because I'm convinced that I ought to do it, it carries the weight of I'm going to move toward it being realized, it being fulfilled in and through my life. And so the exhortation that I am to care for you, the exhortation that you are to care for me, we are to care for one another, for we are members together in the same body. Brothers and sisters in Christ have an obligation to bear the burden for one another, especially those who are weaker, those who are less mature. And it, folks, it's not, uh, it's not tolerating one another. It's not just putting up with my inconsistencies or, or my ins- insensitivities or my inadequacies. And that's not feigned humility. Uh, believe me, uh, the closer I grow to the light, the closer I move to the light, the more bugs I see in my own life. Can I get a witness? Uh, y- you know you haven't arrived yet, right? And and so we're not just tolerating that, we're actually bearing that. We're carrying that, helping one another uh, in that way. It's showing regard. Uh, it's having reciprocal esteem one for another. You are my brother. You are my sister. I care for you. I love you because he loves me and he loves you. Therefore, we are in the same family. We're in the same body. We're in the same uh, work of God together. Chapter 14 and verse 19 is very similar. Just a few verses earlier, if you'll notice, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and the things which, which, with which one may edify or build up another. Maybe part of my life, maybe part of the castle, the, the wall around my life is broken down, such as in the book of Nehemiah with Jerusalem. And you will come along and you will help fortify. You'll strengthen that in my life and I will in your life. We ought to do that 
for one another. Um, and that means that I have to move out of my comfort zone and move into your life. Now notice in verses 1 and 2, we ought to do that and not please ourselves, but please the neighbor. That means my focus must be off of me. Now, if you've ever raised, had in your home, American teenage girls, you've had a blessed, blessed opportunity. But when I had three teenage girls in a row, literally in a row, the ages were, we'll say, 13, 15, and 17, and there was one bathroom available to them. Mom and dad had a bathroom, and then there was one other bathroom. And there happened to be a mirror in that bathroom. And it was almost like having to uh, take a ticket ahead of time uh, to know when you were going to have the opportunity to get in there uh, and look at the mirror and do all the, the primping. Well, uh, after multiple exhortations of me as dad saying, let's go, you're beautiful, let's go, here we go, we're moving, we're leaving. One weekend, including a Sunday, all the mirrors were turned around, taken down, removed in the entire house. Now, that took a lot of effort on my part, I might add. And it took a lot of pain for me with the tears coming down. And, and what was I saying? The focus must not be on me. And it must not be on you if you're saying that to yourself. It must be on one another. Amen? Now, that's a physical illustration of a spiritual principle. And how we, uh, uh, I don't know, my, my daughters might be still damaged from that to this day. I don't know. <laughs> 25 years later, uh, they speak to me. They think I'm wonderful, so I guess they don't remember it uh, until they listen to this message online. We ought not please ourselves, but one, uh, but one another to the glory of God. Um, now, of course, we're not to be men pleasers in the sense of compromising the gospel or tolerating, uh, accommodating sin, certainly not. But we're building up one another with the goal being edification in him, seeing lives changed for the glory of God. So we're, we're exhorted, we are urged, even obligated to care for one another. Secondly, in verses 3 and 4, we see the example which is given. You see, this isn't just theory. Spirit of God didn't have Paul write this just in a theoretical sense. Oh, this would be a nice idea if someone could do this. No, we're given the consummate example, namely the Lord himself. Notice in verses 3 and 4, for even Christ. I mean, it, it's interesting uh, how, uh, how it's phrased in English. It has the connotation that if anyone could reasonably say, I'm looking out for number one because I am number one after all. Uh, I am the king of glory and what I need and what I want is of chief concern to the universe. Would he be right in, in that proclamation? Yes, he's the king and what matters to the king is what matters. But even Christ did not seek to serve self and care for himself. In fact, he poured out himself. He wasn't watching out for so-called number one. He took upon himself the penalty of sin, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, 
and met the righteous demands of the law on behalf of those who could not, who through faith in him could be forgiven and have everlasting life. Now that is caring for you, isn't it? Amen? In in fact, 1 Peter 5, 7, it doesn't necessarily apply to salvation, but it could, says, cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. In Romans 5, in verse 8, you know the verse where it says God demonstrated this heart. He demonstrated this heart attitude, this love, toward sinners that even though we were lost and dead and undone and uh, with no hope and no help, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He cared for us. Now notice in verse 4, it tells us that we've been given the word of God to meditate upon, to memorize, so that we might be informed, instructed, inspired to move out and actually do this. We're given given examples in Scripture. Of course, Christ being the consummate example. But other examples in Scripture, even from this morning, in Philippians chapter 2, how Epaphroditus brought a love offering, a mission offering, Brother Nichols, brought a mission offering 800 miles walking Uh, walking by camel, by sea, from Philippi to Rome to visit Paul, who was under house arrest by Caesar. I mean, what's Epaphroditus thinking? My, am I getting in over my head potentially. And then he contracts some kind of illness that just about killed him. And so he's dragging himself in uh, to give Paul this offering, which Paul had to have or he was going to die. Nobody else was providing for him. He said, no one else is really caring for me. But you did through Epaphroditus, and he nearly died doing this. It is pouring oneself out for the glory of God to be a blessing to someone else. I tell you, uh, if you bury me next week, I sure hope it can be said, he sought to serve the Lord by caring for others. Wouldn't that be a good testimony? Wouldn't that be a good legacy to leave behind to have that? Boy, I want that for each one of us. The scriptures enhance that, Uh, this theme, uh, uh, seeking to please others and not self, runs really throughout this entire section. If you'll notice the practical section in chapter 12 and verse 3, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Think soberly as God has given you to every man the measure of faith. In other words, don't, it's not about you. Verse 10, be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. It's not about you. It's about everybody else, but not you. That is absolutely the opposite of what the world would tell us. Um, it is so unique of, of a principle. Look at chapter 13 and verse 8, if you would. Owe no man anything but to love one another. Verse 10 of chapter 13. Love worketh no ill to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Chapter 14 and verse 13. Let us, therefore, uh, n- let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. In other words, think of him first. Think of her. Care for that other body part, that other member in the body, because The text is saying, if you are strong and you're victorious in Christ, just like the Lord Jesus is the example, he poured himself out 
in caring for one another. Folks, we want to witness to the world. Of course, we share the gospel verbally. Uh, We do it in print. We do it in any way we can, but we also do it like Jesus said in John 13, 35, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. By what? By the love you have one for another. It's an apologetic. It's an answer of why we believe what we believe and why we behave what, why, the way we behave. It's because he is the preeminent example of selflessness. My, what an attribute to have. And so we, we're exhorted, we're urged to care for one another. We're given the example of Christ. And then finally in verses 5 through 7, we're given the enabling from the Lord to be able to care for one another. Notice in verse 5, now the God of patience and consolation. In other words, he's long-suffering towards you. He's comforting towards you. He is that source of comfort. May he grant you the capacity to be like-minded toward one another, of one mind and one mouth, glorifying God, so that you can receive one another as Christ has received you in verse 7. And so we're given the enabling from the Lord himself. You see, folks, as you know, and as I've preached, and as, and as I've lived, and I believe, although not perfectly, but I do believe it. I believe it perfectly. I just don't always behave it perfectly, and it's this. His grace is what degree sufficient for whatever I need? What? His grace is all sufficient, no matter what uh, uh, the burden on my heart is, no matter what the cir- circumstance of my life, his grace is all sufficient. Or it's not. It's kind of like pregnancy. You're either pregnant or you're not. You're not kind of pregnant, right? His grace, uh, the capacity to live and, uh, and soar above the troubled waters of this world, His grace is sufficient to carry you no matter what the storm is or his grace isn't sufficient. And by the authority of God's word, uh, I'm here to say it is sufficient. He will enable you to care for others because you've been cared for in him. Now, notice what it says about caring for one another. How do I do that? Preacher, what if the chemistry uh, just isn't there? What if he has hurt me over and over again? What, what if she doesn't have any use for me, ignores me, uh, uh, shuns me, stiff arms me? What about that kind? I mean, could that happen? Sure, that could happen. Absolutely, that could happen. It might not be perfect in every dynamic that you have in the body of Christ. So therefore, how do you actually move from that uh, state of practical imperfection to be to realize in caring for one another. The text tells us how to do that. Notice in verses 5 through 7, it says in verse 5, God, would you cause us to be like-minded toward one another? In verse 6, that with one mind and one mouth, they may glorify God. In other words, like-mindedness, by the way, is not unanimity. It's not that we have the exact same understanding of every text. It's not that we have the exact same convictions, preferences, styles, and the like. 
It doesn't mean that. If that were the case, then chapter 12 through 16, especially chapter 14 on liberty, would not be necessary if everything was all the same for everybody. You all follow that argument? So since it is not the same, we actually have to work at like-mindedness. How do you achieve like-mindedness? The end of verse 16 uh, tells us, uh, check that. The end of verse 6 tells us that. Um, no, it doesn't. The end of verse 7 does. Do this to the glory of God. Like-mindedness does not mean I think just like you. It means I intentionally put my focus on the same thing as you. And you put your focus on the same thing as me. That is, that Christ may be received glory in the church. That's the final concluding word of the doctrinal section of the book of Ephesians. Chapter 3, uh, verses 20, 21, that he may receive glory in the church. And then in chapter 4 of Ephesians, chapter 4 and verse 1, it goes right into unity, like-mindedness. It's impossible to have like-mindedness. It's impossible uh, in the church to care for one another and not focus on self if my direction and my gaze is on something other than the glory of God. Folks, let's continue. And we do. And I'm thankful that we do. Uh, I don't know, I don't know of a prima donna in this church. If there is, then I'm naive, and that can be the case. I don't really know of anyone who chronic it. Oh, anyone can have a moment. I can have a moment, you can. I don't know of a single soul who has the disposition and the, and the jockeying for position of, this is about me. It's my way or the highway. And uh, uh, if you don't go my way, I'm going to take my toys and go home. I don't know of that existing. To God be the glory. Amen? That must continue or there won't be a caring for one another. It'll only be, what can I get out of it? Oh, please don't ever uh, uh, leave a church and say, I wasn't getting anything out of the worship service. I wasn't getting anything out of my Sunday school class. Don't look at yourself and getting them. Instead, say, what am I contributing to the worship service? How am I benefiting others in my class? Y'all, y'all hear that? That's the heart of the gospel. For God so loved, he gave. He poured in to those who were undeserving, namely sinners like you and me. So it's intentional, single-mindedness, and we see that throughout uh, uh, really Pauline writings as well as all the New Testament, that principle, 1 Corinthians 1.10, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind, the very same principle of like-mindedness. Philippians 1.27 says that believers are to stand fast in one spirit with one mind. Philippians 2, 2 and 3 says we're to be like-minded, having the same love, being of one, uh, being of one accord, of one mind. How do you do that? Not through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness we are esteeming others more important in our own eyes than ourselves which is exactly what Jesus did. He could have truly proclaimed and legitimately pro proclaimed, I'm the king of glory. Everybody else sit down and be quiet. And I'm taking charge here. He could have legitimately done that. But instead, 
He died to his own human uh, drives and, uh, and necessities and needs and desires and wants and lived unto uh, bringing an offering, a sacrifice for sin. What an example we've been given in 1 Peter 3.8 to use another apostle which says that be you all of one mind having compassion one of another love as brethren be pitiful have have mercy be courteous kind-hearted to one another so why so much emphasis on being like-minded because we're not cookie cutters and you really do have a different perspective than do I and I do than you and uh, if you've been married any length of time at all you know that you are not cookie cutters you know sometimes I think the Lord really has a sense of humor Uh, I was married for nearly 40 years and now uh, I've been married for nearly well not nearly just over six years that's a long uh, uh, marital history for somebody that looks as young as I do and what is so comical is that the two wives other than a love for Jesus are as opposite as any two people I've ever known in my life. And you all who knew Pam, and you all who knew know Kathy, say, what a curveball God is throwing Vic. (laughs) But the, the idea is that if I am living for me, then there's going to be problems. And if either one of them would have been. But it's been two wonderful, glorious marriages because the focus is not, what can I get? She's going to fulfill all my needs. No, no, no. Get in each other's ways, look to be, looking to be a blessing to the other. Amen? That is what the focus should be. Elwood and Joy, 65 years of doing that with one another? 65 years of marriage? Bruce and Leanne, I don't know how many years it's been. Maybe uh, I'm going to just throw out... Uh, 50 have you been married how many years you 45 46 okay so I was right in between there I knew it was somewhere it had to be I was figuring out the ages of the kids and, and doing the math and uh, uh, carrying the one and you know all of that of stumbling over each other to be a, a blessing to one of the rain Linda how many years 56 uh, and you said 46 Bruce okay it's that kind of an idea now transfer that to the body of Christ at large in caring for one another. Um, You who are strong, you are carrying that for others. And my, when, when the church is like that, characterized by that, that it's not about my way. It is about, and I, 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 I challenge you, ask, ask the assistant pastor search committee, I don't believe Don was on that committee. He's here. Anybody else here? I don't, I, uh, I'm not sure if I'm seeing uh, anybody else who was on that committee uh, here right now. It was not what I said. And it was not what any other person said uh, that that's what we're going to do. It was a mutual bringing this along for the glory of God and the blessing of the church. Now, when you... That is a committee made in heaven. 
You've heard of a marriage made in heaven? That was, it's that kind of idea. But that ought to be the norm for spirit-filled believers because he dwells within us and we're part of the same body. I close with this. MacArthur wrote, apart from outright sin, working, uh, nothing shatters the fellowship, the spiritual growth, the witness of a congregation so much as disharmony among its members. In any organization, in the family, in government, in uh, education, in the church, even if you don't have all of the information right, if you are working together, uh, if you're a well-oiled machine, if you will, you're going to get down the road a ways. And you're going uh, uh, to see success. You're going to see victory. And you'll fine-tune those things along, along the way. But if there is disharmony, if it's me against you, we're not going anywhere. We're absolutely stopping uh, dead in the tracks. I tell you, uh, uh, the time or two I've had uh, uh, a little tiff with one of my two wives. That sounds odd saying it that way, doesn't it? <laughs> one at a time, through death, Romans 7, I was free to marry again. Whenever there was any kind of a little tiff, little bit of, uh, a little bit of the, the, uh, the harmony was kind of taken aside, the freshness of the, uh, of the dynamic. Uh, I might as well forget about doing anything else. Can anybody give me a witness? My life stopped there for, until that was resolved. And uh, the same principle plays out in the body of Christ. Caring for one another, he cares for us. We certainly can care for one another. Lord, I'm thankful for your word, the truth of it, the power of it to change lives. Uh, we're born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And we are sustained and grow in that way for whatever things were written in earlier times were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scripture might have hope in you. And that is a reality as it's received and applied by faith in our lives. Lord, would you speak to every heart, any listening and watching by way of streaming video and that you would uh, apply your word to the hearts of those, maybe some who are not experiencing unity, who are not living in a like-minded state because of selfishness, uh, bitterness, unforgiveness, offenses, or just general uh, laziness, indifference. Lord, bring conviction upon your people to desire your glory, to care for one another. Ask for this time now, Lord, that we would be mindful that even you did not focus on your own needs and desires and wants, but gave of yourself entirely so that the price could be paid, the sin debt could be met, and we who have believed would be set free, forgiven, become children of God. To you, Lord Jesus, belongs the glory. 